Welcome to Sober Solutions. We are a weekly recovery podcast, not affiliated with any particular 12-step or recovery program. However, you may hear us mention them. My name is Jason, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name is Chris, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name is Ben. I'm an alcoholic and addict. And welcome back to Sober Solutions Podcast. Tonight is episode 26, and it is our third episode of our relationship series. Tonight, we're going to be focusing on relationships as it relates to family. And I have a very special guest with us starting out tonight's episode. We have Renee, who is Chris's mother, joining us tonight. Hi, Renee. How are you? Hi, Jason. I'm great. I'm great. Happy to be here. Excellent. Well, we're very happy to have you. It'll be a conversation. And, you know, to get us started tonight, I guess my first question for you, Renee, is um, what was it like and what were the emotions that you felt and that you went through as you learned about how your son was dealing with addiction? Yeah, uh, great question. And it's a, it's a, it's a hard question and it's, um, it's also an easy question from the, from the standpoint that it was a visceral uh, reaction. I remember the, the first time I heard, um, I was, I was trying to get in touch with him. Um, he wasn't calling me back. Uh, it was very unusual because we, we talk often on the phone and, uh, finally I reached out to his dad and I said, Hey, you know, what's going on? Don't know what, you know, Chris isn't calling me back. And that's when his dad told me that he was going into to rehab, which I had not, I had no idea. And I remember falling to my knees. My husband came running into our family room because I was just, I was just wailing because it, it was a shock. It was a shock. Um, my heart was racing. The emotions of how uh, confusion. And the only thing I can I can really um, equate it to is there there was a, a Swiss psychologist years ago, uh, Elizabeth Kubler Ross, who created this framework, uh, Jason, you probably know, know it very well, um, around grief, right? And, and what you go through when you face grief or face trauma, and this was a traumatic experience. And um, the, first, the first thing that you encounter is this denial, right? This is not happening. And I remember going through that, you know, this, this can't be happening. Um, it's, it's impossible. I'm confused. I, I, uh, I was shocked. I, I, I remember feeling this feeling of fear, like what's happening. I don't understand it because it was fairly new to me. I mean, I didn't, um, I didn't understand it. And then, and then going to the anger, you know, like, how could this happen? How could this, you know, um, and then the next stage of depression, I remember feeling that, that depressed feeling, you know, he's going to be away. I'm hoping that he'll be okay. I'm hoping he's getting the the help that he needs, but depressed because how did, you know, where did I go wrong? Right. As a mother, that, that was uh, forefront. And then, and then that bargaining, the next phase that she talks about is bargaining where, you know, you're just trying to reach an understanding, you know, you're saying, um, you know, uh, you're, you're trying to struggle to find meaning and, and bargaining, you know, like, okay, so if I do this, maybe he'll be, he'll be better. And then finally to that acceptance phase, um, where he and I then 
you know, started to, to talk about it. I remember flying down to his, uh, to his rehab and sitting down there um, for quite some time in the Florida heat um, and just hearing the stories. And it turned out that a lot of what I learned that I thought was true was not true. And I think that was the hardest part is to hear um, how, how much was untrue and the lies, the lies. Oh, that was a lie. And I remember I, I would ask him, but Chris, remember that time? And no, nope, that was a lie. And but you said that, no, that was a lie. And so, so that, that whole uh, understanding of self, of him, of our relationship, just kind of unraveled. So that was the emotion that I felt. Renee, it is so good to have you on the uh, podcast. And, and you, were, you just started touching on it briefly, uh, you know, looking back. Um, and, and the initial feelings, obviously, were that shock and anger. Um, but, but as you, you know, have some time away from that moment, looking back, do you, are you able to see signs more clearly? And behaviors, you know, that, that may have, um, that now would arouse suspicion or, you know? Um, great question. Um, I, I know that there are certain behaviors that have lingered that um, it, it, it are kind of like triggers for me, right? So I think we have a great relationship. We talk a lot. We talk a lot about all sorts, sorts of things. And so what I learned when he was deep in, um, in his addiction, which I didn't know he was at the time, he called a lot. He called a lot and we talked. We talked a lot, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then when he, was, when he was coming out of his addiction, it, it, it stopped. He didn't call as much. So there was this up and down roller coaster type of thing. And so even today, if I don't hear from him for a couple of days, I wonder oh, what's going on, you know, and I try not to go to that place, but it does trigger, you know, some of the behaviors. It could be that he's, you know, he might, you know, be talking quickly or something, but it could be that he's in a, in a, in a rush, he's going to work, you know, so, so there are different things that, that do um, still linger to be triggers, I guess. Yeah, I, I get a great sense of that too. And, you know, that, that comes along with the fact that we have a program for ourselves. We have Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, Smart Recovery, all of these different programs for living for the alcoholic and addict. I'm interested to know, do you have a program? Are you part of Al-Anon or Naranon or anything like that for your own recovery? You know, Jason, I, I don't as a rule. I did um, some years back. I started going to Al-Anon. There was a, a local group. Um, and I, I didn't continue. There was, there was, I just didn't feel a connection with them. I don't know what it was, but I just didn't feel a connection with them. So what I started doing is reading uh, more spiritual and um, helpful uh, readings and books. One book that I know that I shared with Chris that he and I read while he was in rehab was by uh, Pema Chodron, um, When Things Fall Apart. And in that, I found um, 
uh, a sense of of peace because she had this uh, this great way of looking at when things fall apart in your life and what you can and can't do or shouldn't do or you know in, an invitation to look at it in a different way. So that was helpful. I also got in, more involved in my church um, and you know connecting with people in that way. So so that was helpful. That was helpful. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Um, you know, this might be a little bit difficult to talk about, um, but I would love to know those feelings and emotions that you went through as it relates to when you found out that Chris relapsed and had to go back to rehab. Um, you know, what was that like for you? Oh, I was, I was, uh, I felt hurt. Um, I, you know, I had this sense that he was doing so well. Um, and so I was angry again. I, I was angry. It was hurt. I was sad. I was confused. And it was, it was a point of, you know, here, here he has a family, you know, how can we be, be most supportive and make sure that he gets the help that he needs? So it was, it was hard. Um, I really, really am grateful for the support of my husband. Michael has been so supportive through this. Um, so he has uh, been sort of a, a, um, an even keel for me uh, throughout this, but I, I was, I was, uh, yeah, I was angry and hurt and sad, 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 very sad. The, uh, the, the last 10 months, you know, have been, um, I'm sure a trying time uh, for you, but uh, what have you seen different in the last 10 months than maybe since, uh, you know, Chris's first stint in rehab and then time home? Yeah, yeah, that's that's another great question. Ben, you know, um, I have noticed a big difference. His first time in rehab, um, and I remember when I went down to, to Florida to be with him and his therapist, um, I thought, yeah. oh, this is really great. You know, she's saying all the right things and, and she probably was wonderful. You know, I can't say anything uh, bad about her, but coming back from that, um, it was a different type of uh, uh, observation, right? The second time around, I'm seeing much more of a dedication. I'm seeing more of a, um, our conversations are different. Our conversations are different. Before, um, honestly, he could get really angry with me. And so I wouldn't even know what to say or, or I would like dance on my words and that type of thing. And now I'm feeling much more open to say how I'm feeling or ask him questions or, you know, have a little bit of a conflict or a debate and, and not feel like I'm, you know, going to be uh, attacked, <laughs> honestly. That's beautiful. It, it really is. And it's a testament to Chris's program that he's working. Um, I, I didn't know him prior to meeting him in rehab. And it's it's interesting to see or hear um, this before and after um, of Chris, um, because I've only known him in one way. Chris, why don't you, uh, why don't you respond to what, what your mom was just saying? You know, over the last 10 months, you've really have transformed in a way that she's never seen. How, what's it been like for you? Do you notice that in yourself? I'm in this stage right now where my life honestly is very chaotic and that triggers a lot of people around me, my wife, my family. Um, 
you know, I have two kids, a fairly new job that's ramping up. Um, my marriage very up and down right now. It's I'm just in a, you know, go, go, go state. And a lot of times, except when the hour or two that I'm on this podcast, the times that I'm driving, that I'm calling people, whether it's my mom or other people, is I'm in a constant state of go. So it is nice to hear that conflict conflict resolution is a little better in my life. I do remember getting very angry. I would have such a short temper. Um, and that's one thing that is very wrong with my with my marriage, but even within my family. I mean, my parents, since I was little, have always said, you know, you're going to be a great lawyer. Well, I probably would have been a terrible lawyer because I would have been screaming at the, you know, litigation. But we do have a better relationship. Uh, you know, she she recently moved to New Hampshire. My mother recently moved to New Hampshire, and I was not very happy. To be honest, I wasn't happy with that. But we do express how we feel. And it's it's okay to feel how you feel and communicate that. So even that con- we had that conversation two days ago, I think it was. And it's probably not what my mother wanted to hear, and it's not what I wanted to say, but it's what I think needed to be said at that time. And it wasn't an argument. It wasn't an attack. And it, it's opened our relationship up to uh, – it's it's – improved our relationship, I should say. You know, Renee, I I hear the two of you talking and I hear about this this next level of communication that didn't really exist before. And, um, you know, one of the things Chris has shared with, with us is that he had wrote you a letter um, at his last stint at rehab um, that, you know, he, he poured his heart and soul in, into it. And so, it's, you know, for you, what was it like getting that letter and did that, you know, contribute to you guys taking that next step and in, in really just being honest about how you, one another feels about the, the other? Mm-hmm. That letter was really hard. It was really hard. It was hard to hear. Um, you know, there are certain things that as a mother, uh, you, you want to do what's best for your children. I mean, he and his dad, uh, I mean, his dad and I got divorced. So, you know, um, and tried to, through the years, um, maintain a relationship that was uh, friendly and inclusive. And um, so some of the things that in, in that letter were very, very hard to hear. Um, and it's still hard. I have it with me today and I've read it over the last couple of days and, and I'm hoping that at some point Chris and I can sit down and really talk about what's in that letter. What we did when we, when he first gave me that letter is to sit down and I acknowledged his feelings. I mean, I'm not going to take away the fact that he's feeling what he's feeling. That's authentic, right? That's his feelings. We did take the time to meet with his therapist um, after he wrote that letter. Um, It didn't change anything as far as us moving to New Hampshire. Um, We still did move, as you heard just a few minutes ago. Um, But I think it was a catalyst. uh, That letter, I think, was a catalyst to help our, our, I think, to move our relationship forward. Um, Again, still want to unpack some with him uh, at some point, with Chris at some point to unpack it further. 
Um, but it was very hard to get at the first you know, when they first gave it to me. I I I can imagine. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna take a second and and Chris, I'd like to think I'd like you to think about if there's anything that you would say to your mom now, different or um, in addition to. And while you think about that, Renee, I'm going to ask you uh, one more question. Um, you know the idea of the struggle that you went through and you've started to even slowly heal over the last 10 months, what is it that you're still struggling with by having a child who suffers from addiction? I would say um, the, the, the concern and the fear that uh, of another relapse, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I, I think if you look at the data, you know, it's it's usually not once, it's not twice, sometimes it's three, sometimes it's four times, you know, it can be um, more times. So I would say that that is the, the scariest thought um, for me, you know, that there'd be a, honestly, that there'd be a tragic ending. Um, you know, I have friends, I have colleagues that have had that tragic ending and it makes me angry, it makes me uh, scared makes me scared. Thank you for sharing that, mom. Um, as you know, you know, I love you. Uh, you did say in the beginning feeling of the feeling of what did I do wrong? And I think by now, I hope I've communicated that you didn't do anything wrong that had nothing to do with my addiction. Um, it is my addiction. I do live in a WE program and I do have support. You're part of my support network. You and Michael have been instrumental in me getting better. So I, I think you know that. Um, I think Michael knows that. So, you know, what's nice about our relationship is I do talk to you a lot. So I would say in addition to what I've told you, I don't know a singular piece. Um, Luckily, my mother is visiting right now, so I do appreciate the effort. Uh, you know, even though you're in New Hampshire, I know that I can call you and you'll be here um, if I do need you. So I love you and thank you for uh, joining the podcast. Renee, one, one final question from me, and, and normally this is uh, Jason's forte to ask our guests, what is one piece of advice they'd give to another addict or alcoholic. And so what's one piece of advice you would give to parents or siblings or loved ones of somebody who struggles with uh, alcohol and addiction? Mm. Well, this is one thing that I did learn at Al-Anon it, that it's their addiction. It's, it's not ours. Right. And so as far as trying to control anything that is not going to work at all. Um, so to, to just be there, I, I think listening, right? Um, there's, there's a saying that I love to use in my coaching, which really does work. Let silence do the heavy lifting. And so just being able to sit silent and listen and uh, just be there, just be there, be there at the good times, be there at the bad times. I know that sounds like, like a Hallmark card, but it's true. It's really true. Um, that's probably the best advice I could, I could, I could offer.
Well, I don't know anyone who doesn't love a Hallmark card. And honestly, I think that is a perfect place to say thank you so much for coming on tonight. It has been a great insight into uh, seeing the relationship that the two of you have. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you for asking me. Thanks, Renee. And welcome to part two of our episode 26 on relationships in family. Uh, we have Mary tonight. Mary is Ben's mother. Hi, Mary. Welcome. Hi, Jason. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. It's really nice to meet you. Uh, we've heard wonderful things about you. Um, we're very excited to have you on uh, this episode tonight. Thank you. Awesome. Well, I'm just going to kick in right into the first question. And, you know, it's really around the, the emotions and the feelings that you had. And if you could tap into those, what were those emotions that you had when you first started learning about Ben suffering from alcoholism and addiction? Um, the beginning was really hard. We, um, we were in shock when we found out. Um, we really had no idea that he was an alcoholic. And in the beginning, that created a lot of guilt for me because I didn't understand how we could live in the same town. And I would see him a couple times a week. And how did I miss that? And But that quickly passed because there was so much going on um, around his recovery and him going into rehab. Um, there was... Uh, in the beginning, all that I wanted to do was learn as much as I could about the disease. And so that's what I did. But I quickly um, found myself in this constant state of emotional upheaval. I was angry and I was sad and um, I wasn't able to pull myself out of those things. And so um, it was very disconcerting in the beginning. Yeah, it sounds like my mom actually just touched on different stages of grief and you basically emulated what she just said, those stages of grief. Um, so I love that you said you wanted to learn as much as possible. I guess, what did you learn and how did that, if it did or didn't, how did that change how you talked or interacted or dealt with uh, Ben on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, so I really didn't know a whole heck of a lot about addiction. And so I started with um, Google and found Al-Anon literature and things like that. I ordered books and read voraciously. Um, and Seabrook also offered a, an educational webinar that my husband and I participated in. And that was really helpful to help us understand the psychological and physiological uh, parts of addiction, things that we could expect in the coming weeks and months with Ben. And so that was really very helpful. And so in the beginning, dealing with um, though all of those things helped me to deal better um, with Ben and the fact that he came home to our house when he got out of rehab. Um, I just my goal was to equip myself the best that I could. So I did a pretty good job of that, but there, I had no idea how much I didn't know. 
So you mentioned uh, Al-Anon literature, and as you know, we are part of a program, whether that be Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous. Um, are you part of any program, or what's your way to start your own recovery? So, um, yes, we are. I am a, a member of Al-Anon. We belong to a Wednesday night parents group that meets virtually. Um, but we didn't, I didn't get there right away. It took me a while to get there. Um, it was after, uh, we had, there were a couple of things going on with Ben and, uh, I was concerned. My biggest fear in the beginning was him relapsing. I, I think because I was so emotional, um, and, and I did not feel in control of my emotions. I also had very irrational fears and the biggest being that he would relapse and I wasn't sure I could survive that so I my goal was to just make his life and his recovery as easy as possible so that I I could ward that off and you know now looking back I see how foolish that thinking was because I had no control over that um, I could barely control myself so how did I think I was going to control a relapse. So um, it wasn't until we, Ben very graciously offered us access to his therapist and to his sponsor. And we spoke to both of them. And during each of our meetings with them, um, they both mentioned um, checking ourselves. And I really wasn't sure what that meant. Um, and even after um, ben Sponsor explained it to us about getting our own program and working on ourselves. I still was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm reading the books. I, you know, Ben and I talk about his recovery and things. And he, he has mentioned, had mentioned to me at that point uh, many times that I needed to be in recovery. Um, but it wasn't until it was probably around December that we started attending Al-Anon meetings. And even then, I didn't totally understand. It wasn't until I was in the rooms and listening to the people who have been coming for years and decades and how they work their program on a daily basis. And their program has absolutely nothing to do with their qualifier. And it has everything to do with them. And that has slowly started to click with me. So I'm, I'm on my way but I'm far from there. I love how listening to you just shows how a program works. I mean, what you were describing, I'm not a therapist, but is just pure codependency in the beginning to acceptance, acceptance that you don't have control um, over his recovery. And every, I shouldn't say every, most spouses, most parents, most loved ones go through that and hopefully they end up where you're going and where you're almost at right now. And that is a beautiful thing. Um, ben mentioned a lot of, and I used to talk to him very frequently in the beginning. So I, I know what he was going through and he mentioned a lot of early morning talks with you that were very helpful. What what was that like for you in the beginning when he first got out and, you know, he would, you guys would have those conversations and 
just just talk about that. You don't have to go into details if it's too personal, but I know it was very integral for his uh, recovery. Yes, and and mine too. Um, you know, when when you're going through something as um, heart wrenching as this is, um, you look for gifts, and there's a, if you look deep enough, you'll find them. And sometimes they don't show themselves right away. But that was definitely the gift of his disease was the, the opportunity that I had to talk to him, to get to know him in a way that I never would have if we didn't go through all of this. Um, and, and it was helpful. The conversations we had were helpful. I know they were helpful for him, but they were certainly helpful for me in getting me to where I am in my, where I am in my recovery. So um, they, I, I wouldn't trade any of that for the world. That's special. It's, it's really special. It, um, it reminds me of the relationship that I've started to rebuild with my father. Um, he declined our invitation to be on the podcast this evening. Um, he's not much of a public speaker. He's very private. Um, so I applaud you and uh, Renee for, for being on tonight. Um, but Ben, I want to get your reaction and some of your insight on, on what your mom was just sharing about those early morning conversations over coffee. What did those mean to you? You know, I, I think at the time I didn't recognize their importance. Not that I didn't recognize their, the, how, how much weight they carried because it was just happening every day. And so it was just part of the routine. I would get up, I would work out. And then when I was cooling down, that's when we would, we would talk. And, um, it was usually me and her, or if my dad was down there, it was cause he was, he was asleep on the couch because he would wake up at four o'clock and then come downstairs, let the dogs out. But, and then he would wake up in the middle of what, what I missed, what I missed. Um, but you know, those, those times really, I, I think back on them obviously incredibly fondly. But it was the first time that I got to be totally honest with another person. And I really think it did help my, my own recovery in that I was able to open up to exactly how I was feeling at that time. And it wasn't always easy. I mean, it was, there was a lot of crying. There was a lot of laughter. There was, and, and, and it was feeling those emotions. It was feeling feelings again for the first time. And, it was, you know, so for me to go through that with somebody, and it, it was interesting because I, I always looked at my mom as like, all right, she's got, she's got, she's the one that's got to put together. She, she knows what's going on. Didn't matter what the subject was, but, and so to see the very real struggle was difficult because it was like, oh, wow, like this is, she doesn't exactly have this. And so, you know, it, it, to go through, to share that experience, I, I don't think I could have gotten through it. it. You know, at the time when I got out of rehab, I came back to my parents' house. It was like, oh my God, what is happening to my life? And I don't think I could have gotten through it if, um, if I had went back home, you know, it went back to, to the house to, and to my ex-wife. And, and, and so I really, you know, just, I, like we say Thing happens for a reason. So I was just, just thankful that they were there for me. 
That's great. Um, Mary, you know, you're doing very well. Ben, I am so proud of him. He's doing very well and he's uh, proving the stats wrong currently, which I love. Uh, unfortunately, Jason and I were proving the stats right for many years uh, about relapsing. But what's something that you still struggle with uh, as far as either your recovery or with Ben's recovery or Ben's uh, addiction? Um, I, I still struggle with, um, see, here's how things have changed. I, in the beginning, I would tell him what I was thinking, what I thought he should do. And I expected him to do those things. And now I can tell him what I'm thinking. I can ask him a question, but I can also preface the question by saying, and you don't have to answer that if you don't want to, that's okay. There was a time where that would be very insulting to me if he didn't want to answer my question. But now um, I'm at a place where all of that is okay. And um, it, it really has changed the relationship I have with him. I don't have this same relationship with my other children because, <laughs> because it, it's just different. I, I have gotten to know Ben on a very different level than, you know, I, I love them all, but I, I can say things to Ben that I don't think I would say to the others. I love how Ben is fist pumping in the back. <laughs> They're going to be very upset about this. Quote, unquote, favorite right. child. They're going to be very upset about this, but I won't tell them. <laughs> So, Mary, along those lines, you know, what have you seen that's different in Ben from the time that he went into rehab to today? What do you see in him? Wow. Um, everything. Everything. There is, there's, first of all, just his physical appearance that in and of itself, he's, he just looks like a different person. He looks healthy and he, he never had a, super healthy look to him. Um, the way he, he interacts with people, um, he, and, and his, he's got a thoughtfulness and I don't mean in that he does generous things for people. He does, but he is thoughtful in the way he speaks, in the way he responds, where in the past he would be quick to answer. And a lot of times it was fresh and, um, but now he takes a breath and sometimes he takes a really long pause and sometimes he doesn't even answer right then and there. And so, um, he's definitely come a long way in that regard. And, re and he, he recognizes his own faults. He's, a he's able to do that. We don't have to point that out anymore. He recognizes them. Thank you. Um, we really appreciate you coming on the show. And I guess we, we usually close out with one piece of advice for a fellow alcoholic or addict, but I guess for, for you, what is one piece of advice you would give to a loved one, a family member, a spouse to help them through their recovery process? Um, I would say uh, be patient. Be patient with your loved one. Be patient with yourself. Um, this is a process. And everybody goes through this process at a different rate. So, you know, 
truly take this one day at a time and, and you'll get there. Eventually you will get there. Awesome. I think that's excellent advice. So Ben, with your mom here right now, is there anything that you want to share with her? Oh, I mean, I, I mean, it's, you know, it's, I don't know if it's anything I haven't said to you to your face, but you know, I, I, yeah, I love you and dad just, you know, I really just can't say enough about what it means to me to have had you guys there at that time when I needed you. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's one of those things that I, I really, I can't repay it to you, but it, it, for me, it's an example of what I can aspire to be as, as a parent. And when my kids, if they ever find themselves in a similar situation, I, if I can answer the bell even half as well as you guys did and well maybe not that i'm kidding but you know um but no for for you know all jokes aside for you guys being there for me when i needed it it was something i just cannot ever thank you enough for so and you know and the yankees probably lost today mom so that's that's what i wanted to tell her because you know they didn't play oh <laughs> now who doesn't know sports? <laughs> yeah, for some reason, Ben thinks that he's the only one that watches sports in the world. So it's really no, weird. I'm kidding. And he's, a Met, and he's a Mets fan, which is really yeah, weird. That in and of itself should be a... a anyway. Well, Mary, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on tonight. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you for uh, sharing your story with us. And we hope that you have a wonderful evening. Thank you so much. Thanks for letting me share this. I appreciate it. You guys are doing a wonderful job. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Have a great night. Wow, what an interesting episode. First of all, guys, thank you so much for allowing us the opportunity to hear from your mothers. I think they were very insightful this evening. What do you guys think? I was impressed by... It was very two very different dynamics. Um, she became a doctor a few years ago, and you know she referenced uh, Doctor Kubler Ross. I'm probably butchering the name, but yeah. So from her side, you know, she used I think a lot of reading, self meditating, religion, and then uh, Mary. It was really great hearing about her recovery through Al-Anon. Um, and, you know, we always say this, there's no one size fits all recovery process. And it just shows that there is more than one way on the other side, on the family side to recover. And I think they both acknowledge that they still both are fearful. It, it was, it was almost like they talked to each other prior and wanted to convey the same message in certain areas. But, you know, they've obviously never spoken to each other or said the same thing, yet it's kind of like us. We go into these meetings and it's just the same feelings. It doesn't matter where you're from, who you're with, what you look like, you have the same feelings and it shows it on their side too. What's really interesting that you say that is they both said that they didn't have any idea that the two of you were afflicted with this disease of addiction. And... This was a surprise to them. And I don't know, I'll, I'll have to ask my father if he had the same reaction, but it really just goes to show how cunning 
we are as alcoholics and addicts, you know, and how, how deceptive we are to try and hide our disease as much as possible. I mean, I'm just impressed that's what you guys got out of this episode. The only thing I got out is that I'm my mom's favorite. So, I mean, was there other things talked about? Because I'm just going to lord that over my siblings <laughs> for the rest of the time. But, um, no, I mean, yeah, to, I mean, to both your points, Chris, it's, it is literally a product of recovery that you, it doesn't, doesn't matter what it looks like if you're attempting to recover then you can recover and you know jason i i think that the point you were hitting on was that there's a uh there is a certain i don't want to say technique technique is not the right word but we have this i I wonder if it's a combination of our ability to to be cunning or if how much of it is you know Parents just don't want to, I don't want to say admit, but, you know, I can't imagine any parent wants to, wants to start probing around and saying, oh, Jesus, that is it, is this possible? And, you know, so I think that's where a lot of the, the shock comes from, because maybe it's naivete, maybe it's, um, you know, it's just a lack of exposure. But, but yeah, no, I thought it was really interesting how they both started off with guilt because I think that's just the parental thing you would feel is, is. Right. How many times do people look back and say, oh, yeah, that makes sense now or this or that? And, you know, the parent is as a parent, you do want to think the best of and have the best hopes and dreams. And it's it's almost like, you know, fool me once, but. For for my mother, especially, I know that I went to extreme, I mean, everyone in my life, I went to such extreme lengths to put on this facade that everything was okay. I mean, I would, like every aspect of my life, I would make sure that everyone in my life thought I was not only okay, but excelling. And it was the complete opposite. I think it has a lot to do with the same thing that we deal with as the alcoholic and addict it's that denial this isn't happening this isn't part of my life and just like we had to whether we work a 12-step program or not the first step in us recovering is to admit that we have this affliction and getting over that denial that real sense of okay this is happening And once we were able to get over that, and once our family members were able to admit that, then the rest of the process could happen, however long that took. Yeah, it's, uh, it it was funny that she said, um, because I was remembering some of the conversations that we had had, when she said that I mentioned that she should be in Al-Anon a lot. I don't really remember that. And I wonder if that was me I don't know. I don't think I was deflecting, but, you know, I think it was probably just the excitement of um, the excitement of me finding my own recovery and and understanding that a program existed for those even not directly uh, afflicted with 
the disease. So yeah, it's just great to see that that I, I don't I I certainly would not take any credit at all, but like just sharing the message of recovery with anybody is, you know, I I know in, in the, the program that I work it talks about specifically taking that message to another alcoholic, but I think the message of recovery is for anybody affected by the disease writ large. So I'm glad you found it. One of the reasons that I specifically uh, talk to a lot of people is I have a hard time seeing what's right in front of me and listening to you and your mom in the beginning, uh, you know, when you guys are sharing your story in the beginning, it sounds like you were both so codependent on each other. Like you were trying to get her to recover, tell her what to do, say you should do Al-Anon. You should. And same thing as a parent. And I don't think there's a parent in the world that wouldn't have this reaction. Say, I'm trying, you know, and your mother said it, like I was trying to make it easier and try to guide him and tell him how to. And at the end, I love that at the end, she she said, I realize that it's not my disease and I don't have control. And it's you guys did that, it came to that realization a lot faster than a lot of people. So I definitely, uh, it, it's nice to hear that recovery take place. I think that's a great point, Chris. You know, I draw that parallel to Ben's recovery. I mean, we talked about this a couple episodes ago where. Ben, your ego was trying to control, and if you couldn't control, judge the people in the room around you, and to hear your mom's progress through her own recovery journey, where you're both now at this point of one day at a time, this is my program and no one else's, and that acceptance of where you've been, where you are, and where you want to go, it just really is beautiful to see. Yeah, and that thing that she was talking about, about being thoughtful, like, that's not a, um, it wasn't like this aha moment again. Like, the, like everything else that I've experienced in my recovery, it's been this slow progression. And I don't sit there and go, all right, now I'm going to be thoughtful. It's just how I react to it. Because, yeah, I was a smart ass. And, like, I had to be right. And I had to get the, the I had to get a answer out as fast as possible. It didn't matter if it was right or wrong. And then I would just commit to it. And if it was a lie, I'd commit to the lie. And and so now it's it's not important to be first. It's important or you know, it's it's not even important for me to be right. It's it's just important for me to, you know, like she said, you know, to check myself and really figure out what am I trying to say, what am I trying to accomplish, what am I trying to gain? And you know, and then continue on from there if if my motives are are right. One thing that I I kind of wish I even more, and I'm going to talk to my mother eventually about this, explore more is the fear that she still has. And I, you know, I think deep down I know that everyone in my life still has fear that I will relapse. I hope that eventually gets dissipated, but you know, multiple times she referenced, uh, what are you still fearful? Well, I'm fearful he'll still relapse. Uh, you know, the tragic ending my mother referenced. Um, and to carry that is really tough. I mean, especially for the son, for me being her son, having your mother 
basically fear a tragic ending is really hard to hear. And I mean, I'm glad it's an honest answer because at least that can start a dialogue. But I, I think that just goes to show how much addiction affects everyone around you. Absolutely. And it ties really well into what they both alluded to. And Ben, your mom called this right out. They're one piece of advice for the mothers and fathers and family members and loved ones that are living with a loved one who has addiction. Their message was be patient. And I think that goes for all of us. Be patient, live one day at a time. We can't control what the future is. All we can control is what we're doing today. And the more that we are patient with ourselves, the more that our families are patient with us, the more that we're patient with our family members too. I think that is an excellent, excellent piece of advice for all of us. Well, thanks again, guys, for having your mothers on. Um, you know, quite honestly, I, I was a little jealous um, to, to see your moms on tonight. Um, it was really great to meet them. And as always, each and every one of our episodes is dedicated to the still sick and suffering alcoholic and addict, especially the individual who's going to pick up for the first time tonight. And tonight, we dedicate it to all of our family members. Thanks again, guys. Have a great night. Have a great night. We appreciate your liking and subscribing to our podcast. If you liked what you heard today and would like to support our podcast, feel free to Venmo a dollar to our virtual basket at Sober Solutions Podcast. We want to hear from you too. If you have a comment, question, topic, or would like to come on the show, find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Sober Solutions Podcast. Or you can shoot us an email to SoberSolutionsPodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show.